Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. You may be seated, and if you would grab a Bible, there may be one next to you, there may be one under the chair in front of you, but grab one, turn to Exodus chapter 20, we will be there in just a moment. We are starting a new series on the Ten Commandments, and there's a lot of conversation going on about the Ten Commandments. Uh, There are those that love it, there are those that hate it, there are those that ignore it, but today, in fact, the next few weeks, uh, probably 10 weeks, I'm just guessing, we will cover the, the Ten Commandments and look at what God has to say to us and what He would do for us. So, why study, why know, why obey the Ten Commandments? Um, first of all, I want you to know the Ten Commandments are just fantastic, just glorious. We don't, we don't often spend time thinking about how magnificent the Ten Commandments are, but they are brilliant. I remember learning the Ten Commandments in school, in elementary school. In fact, my elementary school, just a public school, um, they, uh, we were the fierce, mighty uh, Mayfair chipmunks, and the Monroe Robins were afraid of us. Uh, and so, but anyway, at Mayfair School, I was taught uh, the Lord's Prayer. I was taught uh, the 23rd Psalm. I was taught the Ten Commandments, and I'm very grateful for that. And, and so many places have displayed the Ten Commandments. There's many public buildings that still have the Ten Commandments displayed. You might have a copy in your room. I know you have a copy in your Bible, and it's, it's there. Uh, they are reduplicated in every culture. The Ten Commandments are reduplicated in every culture throughout time, throughout geography. You anthropologists tell us that there's always a code in every single village, in every single place from Papua New Guinea to the Atlantic to Antarctica. There is a code within a community and a civilization, and everybody knows it is wrong to murder. It is wrong to lie. It is wrong to commit adultery. It is wrong to steal. And so they know that second part of the Decalogue, the second tablet, is just encoded in every single person. It's just there. And so it's universal. So the, but there is no document within the Ten Commandments. There is no document that has changed the world and has the potential to change the world other than the Ten Commandments. I mean, actually think about it. What the Ten Commandments has done, it's brought emancipation to slavery, the Ten Commandments. Look at those who fought against slavery coming up on Martin Luther King Day. Those who fought against slavery, quoting Scripture to abolish it. Women equality, universal human rights, the establishment of our own penal code, uh, our laws against governmental oppression, um, the foundation even, some would say, the very foundation of a democracy, why we have that. So imagine, if you will, just for a second, imagine this. Imagine everybody knowing the Ten Commandments and obeying the Ten Commandments. Everybody. You know what that would be like? Well, if you owned an alarm company, you would go out of business, right? There would be no need for security. Women and children could walk anywhere at any time of night in any place in any neighborhood and never have fear. You would never. You would need to buy. A, you wouldn't need a fob to open up your doors, right? That'd be for your, for your car. Uh, I would be in heaven because I would never need keys anymore, which I usually very rarely know where they are. I mean, think about it. There would be 
no war. There would be no jails. There would be, I mean, think about all of our time and all of our resources going to all the other issues of life if people would just literally know and obey the Ten Commandments. That's how powerful the very will of the Lord is. But some doubt we should even know them or even obey them. Our own federal government has taken a sharp turn away from the Ten Commandments, as many of our founding fathers were influenced by. In 2001, a man by the name of Roy Moore, Chief Justice in Alabama, uh, he had commissioned a two-ton granite monument with the Ten Commandments listed upon them. And he kept them there until the Supreme Court of the United States demanded that he remove them. But listen to what Roy Moore has said uh, concerning the reason and the justification for having the Ten Commandments. He says, anytime you deny, anytime you deny the acknowledgement of God, you are undermining the entire basis for which our country exists. Rights come from God, not from government. If government can give you the rights, government can take them away from you. If God gives you the rights, no man, no government can take them away from you. That was the premise of the original law and the lawgiver and those who follow. In fact, it, he says it's the very premise of our declaration of independence. So what would happen if you automatically said, God did not say this, or that religious people just wrote it, to try to control us and that the law is not good, the Ten Commandments are not good, and we should come up with our own. I wonder what that would look like. Well, I'm glad you asked. What happens when you use crowdsourcing to determine what's right and what's wrong? A couple of dudes did that. A couple of guys who were friends, a guy by the name of Lex Bauer, an executive for Airbnb, and another man who was actually a humanist chaplain for Stanford University, which I don't know what a humanist chaplain would do anyway, but these two guys got together, one an atheist, one a humanist, and they wrote a book called An Atheist Heart and a Humanist Mind, and they decided to put out, crowdsource, what the Ten Commandments should really be. And it, by the way, he said, don't put it in imperatives or commandment type language, but how do you make Ten Commandments without making them commandments? They still were commandment-ish, if you will. But here's what they decided. In fact, they got 13 judges to decide what would be the perfect crowdsourcing, community-developed Ten Commandments. And here they are. Number one, be open-minded and be willing to alter your belief with new evidence. I don't, I don't find that a violation of, of, of anything really rational. Sounds good to me. Number two, strive to understand what is most likely to be true. Do not believe what you wish to be true. Well, I agree with that. That's pretty good. Number three, the scientific method is the most reliable way of understanding the natural world. We'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> God is not necessary to be a good person or to live a full and meaningful life. I'll get back to that one also. Be mindful of the consequences of all of your actions and recognize that you must take responsibility for them. Number seven, Check this one out, number seven. Treat others as you would want them to treat you. Now, where in the world did they get that? <laughs> number eight, we have the responsibility to consider others, including future generations. 
I don't think they quite do that, to be honest with you. And then number nine, let me skip number nine, let me go to ten. Number ten, leave the world a better place than you find it. That's, that's good, nothing wrong with that, but number nine, there is no one right way to live. Isn't it interesting that after they list commandments and saying this is the way you're to live, they add into the commandments, nobody knows the right way to live, so do anything you want. That's really what they say. Isn't it also interesting that those that say there is no absolute truth, when you ask them, is that absolutely true? They'll say yes. So there it just negates. It's just lot it's a logical fallacy to say that any way you want to live is right. Isn't it interesting also that those that claim to be the most tolerant oftentimes are the most intolerant. If you don't believe me, talk about things they disagree with, and then you will feel their wrath, and you will feel it come down. So here it is, crowdsourcing, Ten Commandments, claiming that trying to get rid of any idea of God, any idea of right and wrong, and by the way, if you choose any other commandments, it's wrong. If you choose this one, it's right. So there they go. So the scientific method, number three, is basically the final authority. Um, do you realize that the scientific method came about by a guy named who? Francis, Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon being moved by theology, being a man who actually, do you realize this? You know this, that you had the Reformation, you had the Renaissance springing up at the right time, and not until the scientific method came about did you have the Industrial Revolution and all the inventions and all the things that you and I enjoy right now, uh, everything from a microwave to Velcro, we all enjoy that because of a guy named Francis Bacon who came up with a premise that is resting upon the teleological argument or the causological argument of the existence of God, which means this. How can you prove God exists? Well, here's one way, is that when he created, he created with order. He created with an end in mind. And when you take those two arguments of the existence of God, that because you can see it, and because there had to be a cause, the unmoved mover, there is a God. And also, since God is the one who created everything, he is logical and he is precise, therefore we can reduplicate it, and boom, Francis Bacon theologically came across the scientific method, and now we have it. And here they put it, in the Ten Commandments of crowdsourcing to try to prove that God doesn't exist, and yet they use one of the arguments of why we believe that God exists. It's really interesting that they said that. So you've got an option here. You can live your life and make your decisions as though God who is right tells us how to live, or you can choose to live your life as though you know better than God or anyone else. Crowdsourcing doesn't get us very far. I found another article. It was really, I think it's kind of funny. Um, so going to the internet, the, uh, the British government decided to find out what the crowd would name one of the most expensive research ships that they've ever made. $287 million research ship that's supposed to go up into Antarctica and do all this researching. And what they were thinking is they would find out what's causing all the change in the climate and all this. And so they said, since this is the royal ship doing a, a great endeavor for all the people, let's let all the people name this high-tech ship. You know what the crowd named this ship? Bodie McBoatface. Let's name the ship Bodie McBoatface. And I was like, nah, nah, you know, just something really stupid. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface. And finally, those that were in charge of all this who had to say, you know what? Let's forget what the crowd says. Let's go with what the crown says. 
right? And they named it after some British explorer that was very, very popular. And so I would encourage you, as we consider the Ten Commandments, don't think about what the crowd says. Think about what the crown says, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because he is right and he is holy and he is glorious. So when we look at this, we have to say, why should we know the Ten Commandments and why should we obey the Ten Commandments? First of all, if you look with me in Exodus chapter 20, and in Exodus chapter 20, there's something very amazing that you may not have realized, and that is that it comes after Exodus chapter 19. I went to Bible college, figure that out. And in chapter 19, in the book of Exodus, you have this incredible scene. You have Israel who had left Egypt under miraculous situations, great oppression being delivered, and they go to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. That's where God happened to be at that moment in his manifest glory, where he manifested himself in all of his holiness and all of his glory. And he summoned Moses to come up. And as Moses went up, you got the scene, you've got the burning bush, you've got the smoke, you've got the glory, you've got the thunder that the whole earth is shaking. You have all these little commandments here in verse 19 of how the people need to separate themselves, sanctify themselves while God, while God speaks to Moses. And what you have right here in verse 1 of chapter 20, it says this, Then God spoke all these words. And there you have the Ten Commandments. When, when the Ten Commandments are spoken of in the Bible, they're just called ten words, as if it's ten statements that God wants to make. We, we refer to them as the Decalogue, Deca meaning ten in Greek, and Logos meaning word. So Decalogue, it's the ten words that God gave. And if you don't mind, um, if it's not too inconvenient, could we just stand as we read these? Could we just stand? The Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. And here's the voice of the Lord. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. First commandment, verse 3. Do not have other gods beside me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in heaven or above or on earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sins to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The third commandment, verse 7. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will punish anyone who misuses his name. Remember to dedicate the Sabbath day. You are to labor six days and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, a rest, that's what that word means, is a rest to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slaves, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gate. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. 
Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Verse 12, here's the fifth commandment. Honor your mother and your father so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, do not murder. 14, do not commit adultery. 15, the eighth commandment, do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house. This is the 10th commandment, verse 17. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet covet your neighbor's wife, his or her female slaves, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. May God bless the reading of his word. You may have a seat. So when we look at this, we are to be dedicated to what the Lord says. Now you say, Brother Mac, you are in the Old Testament. Thank you very much. But we are a church of the New Testament. The Old Testament means covenant, agreement. The New Testament means new agreement, new covenant. So you you have a point if you say the Old Testament is different than the New. It's very wise. It's very good. But let's look at the New Testament just for a second so that we can get a perspective on the Old Testament. How did Jesus look at the Ten Commandments? How did the apostles view the Ten Commandments? And so when we look at that, that gives us a perspective of how we as well are to look at it. So if you will, look with me at, you don't have to turn there, but just listen to the story. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus, in his ministry with his disciples, and he's gathering lots of people. And he moves through a region, and there is a rich young ruler, one who knows the law of God. And he comes up to Jesus, and he's head and shoulders above others. He is someone that you would want to be a part of your group, whatever tribe you're a part of. You want him to be a part of yours. And so he comes up to Jesus, and he said, Master, how can I have eternal life? And you know what Jesus did? He quoted the second part of the Ten Commandments. And he just says, how, do you know the commandments? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not lie. How are you doing on this? And he said, I've obeyed them all since I was a little child. Liar. But anyway, that's what he said. And Jesus hits him with the 10th commandment. And he says this, so why don't you give everything you have to the poor and come and follow me? And the Bible says that his whole countenance you can, as you're reading this, you can see his shoulders drop, his face drop, his knees begin to buckle, and he turns away. And the Bible says he wouldn't do that because he had a lot. Or maybe the way that we should interpret it is a lot had him. Things owned his soul. And so Jesus takes the concept and the question about eternal life, and he compares this man's soul to the Ten Commandments. It's kind of interesting. In fact, it's very interesting. We go to Romans chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. It's when Paul is saying, and as he's concluding, coming to his concluding statements after this incredible treaty about grace and law and judgment and mercy. And then he says, listen, if you're going to follow this, you don't owe anybody anything except love. And here's how you show love. And then he goes basically through the Ten Commandments. What you say what you do, the way, the, the way you orient yourself and commit yourself sexually needs to follow the Ten Commandments. We also see Paul in 1 Peter chapter 1 in verses 8, 9, and 10. 
He rattles through the second tablet of the law, referring to the wickedness, and it quote, who strike their father and mother, which goes against that fifth commandment or the sixth commandment. Murder, he talks about the different types of murder, which goes against the sixth commandment, against all kinds of sexual immorality, which violates the seventh commandment. And he literally goes right down that second tablet. Bam, 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 bam. So yes, I agree that the New Testament is a little different. And, and we're, not, we're under a new covenant, and we've talked about this in the past, as you attend and you sit in these seats. We learn the difference. We see how God in His new dispensation or administration, how He works with you and me. There is a little bit of difference. Nonetheless, God is still holy. Righteousness is still righteousness. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. And nothing changes in that order. And that's just very clear. So... Um, when men speak about this, um, we look at the Ten Commandments and we think they're not good enough or the Ten Commandments hasn't kept up with times. It's archaic. I mean, uh, 1450 B.C. is when Moses gave this account of what God said. So it's a long time ago. And we think that, you know what, I think we can do better with laws. I think that man and how sophisticated we are and we need to be more progressive and we need to come up with better ways of thinking about life. Yeah, good luck with that. You would think that we would make things easy, but listen to this. There are 20,000 laws, 20,000 laws on the books regulating gun control. Just one aspect of our life. When man goes about trying to shape other men, we come up with laws and laws and laws. You and I vote for people, and, and they go off to Austin, or they go off to Washington, and you know what they do? They put nooses around your neck and my neck, and it goes on and on with laws. In 2010, it was an estimated 40,000 new laws were added at various levels throughout the country. The United States Code, which is just one accounting of federal laws, and does not include the regulatory statutes, has more than 50 volumes, books and books and books of what law is all about. In fact, no one really knows how many laws are out there. In 2008, in fact, some group of senators, U.S. senators, wanted to find out how many laws, how many federal laws do we really have. In 2008, a House committee asked the Congressional Research Service, Congress's research arm, all the power, all the king's horses, and all the king's men, and all of their power, go find out how many federal laws are out there. Five years later, they came back and said, we don't know, we need more manpower. More than likely, you're breaking the law right now, and you don't even know it, of the federal government. That's how many laws. That's what happens when men try to control men. You know what God said? There's 10. There's 10. In fact, Jesus even boiled it down to two, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You do that, you're good. But literally, here's what happens. God is not trying to crush us with red tape and regulations like our government is. The Ten Commandments are not a prison, but they form more like traffic laws, if you will. Like coming around a corner and there's a guardrail 
(laughs) and you're thankful that this corner that you didn't anticipate and you went in too hot, now there's guardrails and you feel safe. So traffic laws, you know, for the most part, well, let me go on record, I agree with all traffic laws. Let me just go on record saying that. You know, when you see a bus that's stopped and it's got its little stop sign out and lights are flashing, everybody understands why. Look, kids run back and forth to the bus. There's balls, there's all, and you just stop and you just go, look, I will defer for a good reason. Other traffic laws, slow down. Man, I remember one time I was in a, a one-ton truck. We were pulling a pretty large pack and play. We were down in the Metroplex. We were around the Bedford Euless area and we're flying down I-30, just going along 65 miles an hour. We come up over a hill and there is a parking lot. Cars are backed up. And I saw, in my mind, plowing through at least 20 cars. And I am there, and I'm moving along, and as I'm like, I have, we are doomed. And there just happened to be an exit to the right. And I just went, zip, and I got off on the exit. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, what a relief. Where where I was headed is death, dismemberment, and yet there was an exit that it became very, very clear that there was grace and there was mercy. And after that moment, you know how relieved I was? I also was mournful that I wasn't paying more attention to the traffic signs of construction ahead, right? Those signs are there for your protection and for us to maintain life in an orderly fashion. So God is not trying to crush you. God is trying to cure you. C.S. Lewis said it this way, He said, the law of God is like firm, solid pavement. But too often, we try to take a shortcut through the miry pits, the thorns, the thistle, the muck, and we have no traction, and we're lost in the shortcut of morality. But once you make it back on the pavement, you are so thankful for dry ground, for traction and movement. And that's like the law of God. But too often, as we look at the law of God, some people say, look, don't put the Ten Commandments up anywhere. Don't even know them. Don't Because all it does is bring judgment. It brings, uh, let me say it this way. It brings guilt. I mean, golly, <laughs> you walk by the Ten Commandments, you have two attitudes. I'm good, or you honestly say, uh, I'm off a little bit. I fail. And so oftentimes when people see the Ten Commandments, you want to get rid of the Ten Commandments because you don't want to feel guilty. You don't want anybody to feel guilty. You want them just to have a fun and have a party. But there's a major problem with that. Because the Ten Commandments reveal something inside of me that I've got to know and that I'm broken. When I, uh, when I played football for the University of Oklahoma, oh, that was a dream. When I played football in junior high, um, I remember I, I hurt my thumb really, really bad. And I went and I got an x-ray and that x-ray, t- I'll never forget, I can still remember the pain, how she kept twisting it to get the right picture. But when she got the right picture, she said, oh, you have a fractured thumb. And so I left that and I was so mad at that x-ray machine, so mad, right? No, I was mad at that guy that hit my thumb, right? That's what I was mad about. I was happy about the x-ray that diagnosed me. But some of us, when we look at the law and we find out that we're broken, we get mad at God, we get mad at the x-ray, but yet he's our redeemer. He's the one trying to heal us. And you and I have failed in every single commandment. Listen, don't sit here smugly thinking, gee, I'm glad I haven't broken any of the commandments. Not only have you broken one, you've broken 10. 
You say, look, no, I haven't. I've never stole anything. Oh, yes, you have. Jesus said this. You heard Moses say that if you hate somebody, I mean, if you murder someone, uh, that, that it's a sin before God. I say that if you hate someone, you've committed murder. You heard Moses say, don't commit adultery. But I say, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. You know what? He didn't even intensify the one of lying because we all exaggerate at times. We've all told a lie. So basically, we all sit here the same. According to these three commandments, a liar, an adulterer, and a murderer, right? Every single one of us, we are guilty. But look at the beauty of this. God doesn't drop his standard. God continues to maintain his standard with the Ten Commandments. And I have the ability and you have the ability to go before God and say, God, this is what you are like. This is who you are. In fact, John Bunyan put it this way. He said, to see the law is to see the heart of God. And to see the law is to see the heart of man. And that God, because you see it in the law, is so holy, and I and you, we are so sinful, then we need help. We need a remedy. And what is that remedy? Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. I want you to look at this passage. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it is really, really good. So here you have Jesus dying on the cross. By Luke 24, it's resurrection morning. He bore the penalty of your sins. He rose from the dead. And then here he catches a couple of guys going to Emmaus. And this is known as the road to Emmaus. And Jesus, in verse 24, he comes up to these guys. And as the story goes, he's saying, what are you guys talking about? And they're saying, look, man, where have you been? They just crucified the Savior. And now he's dead. And we don't know what to do. And then in verse 24, he says this. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself. So here's what Jesus does. He goes straight to Moses. He goes straight to the Ten Commandments. He goes straight to law. And he begins to explain who he is and what he did. Look down in verse 44 and 45. And he says this, he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. He said, I'm not telling you anything new. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their eyes. Listen, listen. You cannot come to know God. You can't approach his throne. You can't experience salvation. You can't, the passage that Scott read earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can't experience that until you know this. God is holy, and I'm not. God is righteous and vengeful and full of judgment, and it's pointed towards me. You notice how we all have friends that use a lot of adjectives that are a little bit, you know, exaggerated or adverbs. Man, you just got to see this movie. It's the greatest thing on earth. And you're like, ah, it's probably not that good. Got to go to this restaurant. It's the best meal I've ever had in my life. And you're like, well, I hear what you're saying, but it's probably not that. I mean, my my mom's fried chicken's pretty awesome. You know, you might be saying that. 
So sometimes we need to be careful when you're talking with adjectives and adverbs, but listen to me. When you're describing the judgment of God, let's just get real surreal here for a minute. Adjectives don't quite meet it. I mean, Jesus used analogies and he, used, he talked about the judgment of God all the time based upon the Ten Commandments or the law. Those who violate the law, the judgment of God is terrible because it brings terror. It is eternal. He, he talks about the gnashing of teeth. Jesus even told a story about a rich man he left unnamed and a guy named Lazarus. And he says this, he says, and even Lazarus would wish to sin uh, I mean, even the rich man wished to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and to just try to quench a drop upon his tongue to quench the fire. And the Lord says, it cannot happen. And while you're listening to Jesus, you are to imagine someone in agony and burning in hell under the, the wrath and the judgment of God and him looking up for a little bit of relief and he, as though he sticks out his tongue waiting for a drop of water. And if the drop of water were to come, it would evaporate before it even hit his mouth. This is Jesus' description, okay? I don't think you can use too many adjectives or adverbs describing the action towards sinners underneath God's judgment. That's the truth. You can, you can if you want, I don't advise this, you can try to get rid of the Ten Commandments and say, God didn't really mean this. You know what he did with the Ten Commandments? Moses took the Ten Commandments, right? That were spoken by God and written by God's finger. And he took these Ten Commandments and they were so valuable, you know what he did with them? He put them in the Ark of the Covenant. There, there is not another place in the universe more protected than the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that? the very holiness and presence of God. There was a couple of dudes, uh, four of them, and they had these staves that were going through the rings on the Ark of the Covenant, and they were going along, and they tripped and fell, and then God judged them. There was another time where the, the cover, the mercy seat, came out from it, and people looked in it. 25,000 people died that day because God says this, huh, it's holy. Nothing comes against God's law. Moses said, God told me. He spoke these things. He wrote it with his finger. We put it in the Ark of the Covenant. It was protected by his power. And I'm telling you, I would strongly advise you not to disregard the Ten Commandments. But what does the commandments really do? It tells us how holy God is. And tells us that you and I can't earn God's favor by works. You may be a good guy. You're not that good. I believe you can be an atheist and be a good citizen. I believe you could be a Christian and be a bad citizen. Actually, I know several. But that's not the point. Here's what the point is. You and I can't make it to God on our own. Listen, the law tells us we need a Savior. We need somebody to come in and step in the way of God's judgment towards us and who gives us righteousness. That's a song that we sing. This place... Where's this place? We sang it. Two of the songs we sang today are about this very concept, that God intervenes in a particular way. Listen to Romans chapter 8, the playground of the Christian, Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. Therefore, after writing seven chapters of great doctrine and theology, therefore there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus 
And then here's what he says. For what the law could not do since it was limited by our flesh. Listen, the law can't save you. Obeying laws, obeying rule, rules won't get you to heaven. So what the law could not do, weakened by our sinful flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in flesh like ours under sin's dominion. And He was a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be accomplished in us who do not walk, in other words, trying to obey the law to get to heaven, but those who live according to the Spirit. Please listen to this. God's judgment is real, it's severe, it's eternal. But just as all the adjectives about God's love, I mean, God's wrath is so severe, the adjectives about His love are even greater. Where sin abounds, grace much the more abounds. For what you could not do by obeying the law, which I can't, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness, He looked like us, of the flesh, but He literally bore the sins of the world. He took the Father's judgment. He took hell for you. And listen to me. Your worship begins to intensify when you understand this truth. Don't try to belittle. Don't try to water down God's judgment. Highlight what Jesus did for you. While we were worshiping earlier, you may have been distracted thinking about your social standing and social media. You might have been concerned about you know, what you're going to do when that preacher stops preaching so you can go eat. You might have been thinking about the argument you had on the way to church because all families usually have arguments on the way to church, right? I'll tell you what. When you understand the holiness of God and the fierceness of His wrath and the way that the Son satisfied and extinguished the very judgment of God, when you sing songs like what we sang, your mind is peaked, your soul is focused, and you worship God for what He has done for you, and it changes the way you live. You can't just sit still within your soul. You respond. If you're not responding, then you are spiritually dead. And you need what needs to happen in your heart immediately is when it says that Jesus was walking with these guys and he opened their eyes so they could see. Have your eyes been opened to this? Do you see the judgment, but do you see the glory of God's forgiveness? And have you ran to him for salvation? Or do you just flippantly say, ah, I may, I may not. I'm going to run my life my way. Don't be that guy. Receive the salvation of the Lord. Let Him change your life. Come under the forgiveness. Let the mercy of God wash over you so you have a right standing with the Father. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glamina's Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org. 